right, let's see. I think the timing is right to say, sleigh bells ring, are you listening? All right, depending on when you're listening to this, we're getting toward the end of the calendar year, and hopefully you're very busy making terrific pages. If not, we got something for you. First of all, welcome, or welcome back, to the Yearbooking Report podcast. Again, my name is Scott Geezy. I've been involved with journalism for four decades. I've been a Jostens representative for 24 years now. Wow, that's a long time. And uh, depending again on when you're listening to this, this time of year, toward the end of the calendar year, hopefully your staff is very busy right now making page designs, of course, key element of any yearbook. The question is, how are you making the pages? Why are you making the pages? Why are you making them the way you're doing? Are you giving it any thought? Now, again, I've been at this for over two decades, and frankly, I know from experience, a lot of yearbook staffs really don't give it much thought. They just kind of slap things down on pages, slap down pictures, maybe put some writing down and so on, without really thinking about good page designing and the different thoughts and trends that go with that. So once again, we reach back to our very good friend, Rick Brooks. Rick is one of our creative I'll call him creative geniuses at Jostens. He's been at this longer than I have. And it's all about good design, which is way more than boxes on a page. It's about the whole plan of your entire book, cover to cover, and all the pages in between. If you've never really given that a lot of thought, this is the time to do it. I figure that's why you're listening. So we're going to have some really good information for you here from Rick. He's going to give us some background. He's going to give us some ideas. He's going to give us some advice, some inspiration. Might want to grab that pad and pen because I think you're going to be doing some note-taking here as we get along a little further. He's going to get really deep into really good, rich design concepts that are important for any yearbook today. So let's get started. We'll meet Rick. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's reintroduce our friend Rick Brooks who is a designer extraordinaire for Jostens that I've known for a long time. Rick, first of all, welcome. Thanks for coming back. Sure thing. Um, we're going to talk about page designing in a little bit because Rick and I are talking here at the very end of October, and everybody's been in school, Rick, for two months, maybe in some cases, maybe even three months, depending on right. where the country you're from. And hopefully they are quite busy at this point with page designing, hopefully good page designing, which we're going to touch on in just a little bit. But first, Rick, for folks that maybe have never met you, seen you, heard you, and so on, let's get some background, because I know you've been at this longer than me. Uh, tell us uh, something about yourself, your background, you know, some of the things that you do in particular for Jostens and so on. Sure. I've actually truly been involved with design my entire life it's it's my entire professional career has always been something to do with design or art something to do with design or art I actually was originally going to be an art teacher that's actually the direction I was going to do a graphic design teacher and possibly journalism so I had all that kind of stuff ready when I started to work for Jostens um, and I really love to intermingle it I really love the way the art the graphic design and the journalism it all together and that's what your book is so it's been been really fun and it's been a very long time you're you're correct i i've been with this for uh, for more than 30 years all right in fairness now rick and i have known each other for over 20 years correct and rick originally when we started doing stuff together you were i think primarily a cover artist i did start with justin's internally i did start as a kind of a cover creative designer in the plant in one of our publishing plants. And I did a lot of, um, we'll call it design production, a lot of design production. And we have people still that do design production in the company, but it's about almost 20 years since I started this, where I actually do creative conceptual designs with mostly colleges. I work with a great deal of colleges in the country, the, the West Points, the Harvards, the Dartmouths, the Yales, those schools um, all over which is, is very cool, and bigger high schools, larger schools that really, really want to do a publication that's going to last, where the design inside and the design outside kind of coordinate with each other and work really well together. That, those are the groups that I typically work with. 
All right. Now you started describing what I was going to ask. All right. Big words, creative conceptual design. There's a lot of letters in those words. I mean, it's what, actually a thing. It's actually you, a thing. What exactly do you do? Okay. There are, there are several type design, the whole field of art design that that's huge. It's huge. There are so many different types of designers um, in the country because design is everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. Um, and access to creativity with design is easy for people to to get to. It's we have access to the entire Adobe suite, um, Photoshop, InDesign, and Illustrator. Those things are used by so many people. It's 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 amazing how many designers there are. It's it's pretty pretty clear that everybody can access it. But um, conceptual creative design is really working with groups with individuals to help them evolve their concept, their, their initial thematic idea. So it's not just putting things together that they have, it's actually helping them create those things. It's developing the entire road that you're gonna follow for the whole publication. That's, that's what creative conceptual design is. Ooh, that sounds like a lot of work. It, it can be. It's super fun. It's super fun because I start, I was an editor in high school. I was an editor in college. I, I love it. And I get to keep starting again every year with different people over and over again, other projects. And, and that's what I call them. I call them projects. I mean, they, they really are. Um, but I get to restart every year. It's, it's amazing. Actually, there's a follow-up. Now, you've been doing this for a long time. Um, do you ever, ever find yourself repeating ideas? In other words, you know are uh, ideas actually really unlimited or you just kind of rehash them? I, I think to myself all the time, because I work with, well, like I said, I work with schools like West Point. I work with Penn State University and it is so important to them and to me that next year's materials are the best, but they don't look like last year's. And that is something I've never understood how it happens, but it does. I don't understand where the ideas come from. We're bombarded every day, and I am too. I just happen to remember things. So I see a billboard in Altoona that has a font on it, and it inspires me to do something with that next week. It, I, I don't write it down. I don't take a picture of it. I don't do anything with it, but I kind of remember part of it. It's one of those things where you you just have to absorb and let everything go into you so you have something to pull out. All right. Here's one. Are there actually ever really original ideas or is it really just something that you sort of described? You kind of reach back to something you did before and you dress it up a little differently. Is oh, there yeah. such a thing as an there, original there, idea? There really are. There really are. It's it's you have a, a certain group of materials to, to work with. You have fonts, you have colors, you have shapes, line shape, value, form, texture, color, space, all those things you have. And it's really the way you organize them. So even though I don't want to say that you rehash things, that's not what it is. It's reorganizing those things in a way that fits the concept. And everything can be original. It might have one font style that came from something else but everything else is so different that it becomes an original design so so although some people do and retro design is incredibly popular right now right now we are in the 1970s we are right there um orange brown teal all those things are kind of back being incorporated into design right now and fonts that are fonts like brave that you kind of can read but if you think about the 1970s, if anybody can maybe look at Pinterest, but if you think about the 1970s, it wasn't always made to communicate. It really was kind of art for art's sake. It was just that kind of thing where it's decoration. So you have to be careful when you do any type of retro design that it doesn't become decoration because design is not decoration. Art can be decoration because art is about the experience Design is about communication, and that is what it is. It is to communicate ideas, and those ideas might be very fresh and very 1970s conceptually, but they still have to communicate something. 
I'm sitting here giggling to myself. All right. Not making fun. Yes. I, with the schools that I work with, I have several schools doing a seventies theme yep. and all right, you and I are not young anymore. Okay. We're not, we both lived through the seventies and I'm looking at this thinking, why, <laughs> why is this happening? Can you explain that to me? Why is the seventies making a comeback? It's, it, it's actually pretty simple. It is Netflix. It is Hulu. It is prime video. Those platforms that people watch all the time, those platforms bring back so many things that I didn't even know existed then. I didn't even know some of these TV shows existed. And a lot of these, like like Netflix does new shows that are retro. So all this kind of design stuff kind of leaks into our life. And we're seeing Saved by the Bell again. So there's the 80s and 90s. I mean, that kind of stuff comes back to us and it kind of influences graphic design, not just in yearbooks. I mean, this isn't really about yearbooks at all. It's about every publication everywhere. There's different styles that happen simultaneously. So some people are doing stuff from the 70s. Some people are from the 90s. Some people are trying to do really sophisticated classic design that's from the future. It's actually really interesting to see all of it together. But you're right. The 70s are huge right now, but Netflix and and Prime and Hulu, those show those shows on those networks bring it back. All right, now you mentioned the 70s and the 90s, and I've seen both. So my obvious follow-up is what's the problem with the 80s? We're not oh, going to remember there. the 80s anymore? <laughs> no, 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 no. The 80s, the 80s are still there. I have a I have stuff back here from the 80s <laughs> the 80s is there too but the 80s the 80s was very popular last year the year before the year before and before covid we were doing a lot of cmyk stuff remember the cmyk stuff where it was magenta cyan yellow and black triangular shapes a lot of memphis style design which are those little squigglies in the background and geometrics and those kind of things that's because that was just a year ago. It's still popular now, but right now that 80s stuff has expanded to the 70s and to the 90s. We're going to do the 60s at some point? Actually, people do occasionally, but that's not, I, I, I think, I think, and I think this is true. I think it's because most of the advisors that we get to work with don't really remember the designs of the 60s. And there weren't a lot of TV shows. There weren't a lot of things from the 60s that were colorful. So that kind of is, is the border. Because when you go to the 60s, you might as well go back to the 20s, which we had four years ago. We had all those, all those things right before COVID. And without COVID, because it really affected society completely, graphic design all over the world. Without COVID, we would have had a whole lot more roaring 20s we would have had that happening in 2021 20 we would have had lots more of that but we got lots of masks instead because that's what people saw i'm waiting for the gilligan's island comeback okay that would be 60s gilligan's that island would, that would be 60s <laughs> but it kind of looks like the 70s that's that's kind of the thing retro doesn't just mean specific years it means a decade that expands before and after that that 70s all right disco is going to make a comeback so oh my gotcha <laughs> now i think you mentioned earlier that you you primarily work with colleges and universities mm -hmm. um now obviously you know if we talk about colleges high schools middle schools you know all the different levels obviously high schools and middle schools greatly outnumber colleges obviously way more schools but how are college yearbooks different from all of those other ones? And they are different. Obviously, I've seen them. From your perspective, how are they different? Maybe why are they different? Well, it's, it's, it kind of boils down to the audience. The audience at a college is much, much larger than the audience at a high school. Uh, clearly, 40,000 students, 3,000 students, that kind of thing. Um, it's possible in a high school to truly include everyone in the book three, four or five times. It's, it's truly possible um, at a college, no matter how small that college is, it's virtually impossible 
other than portraits to truly include everybody, whether it be their personality in quotes and that kind of stuff and photos. It's, it's, it's got to be accepted that everyone's not going to be in that, but everyone's likes everyone's memories of locations, everyone's memories of the school are going to be in there. And that's kind of how colleges have to focus. It's more about the college and the student body than it is about individuals. And they have to do that because of the size. They do include a lot of people. It's amazing how many individual things, especially personalities. And I say that because interviews quotes, statements, those kind of things show someone's personality where photographs shows the, show the person. A photograph will show the person. So it's kind of a, a different... I actually like it so much when you do actually get to read a quote that, that says something from an individual that's meaningful. I think that's really important to include in all books. I think that's a thing that we remember. My book, when I was in high school, it's such a shame because we said exactly the same thing that I'm, I'm told every single time I work. People don't read that. We don't, nobody reads copy. Nobody reads this. Nobody reads that. Actually, they do. And it's not just for the future. Every student that I work with sits there and reads everything on Twitter, looks at everything on Instagram. It's, it's amazing how much we actually do read. I read more now than I talk. I actually read more texts than I talk to people. It's amazing. So we really do read, and you really will read. I wish that there was five words in my high school book, because I don't even know what happened at all then. We'll get back to our friend Rick Brooks, design genius from Johnston's coming up here in just a bit. You might want to have that pad and pen ready to go because we're going to go in deep, you know, the old deep dive as we talk about interesting things about designing not just your pages, but designing your yearbook this year. And let's take a moment here just to reach back on a couple of things that Rick just said a few minutes ago. One thing that he mentioned, uh, which really perked up my ears when we were talking, was design is not about decoration, it's about communication. Now, for a lot of folks, design pretty much is about decoration. They keep it very simple, they slap some things down on pages, maybe they toss down a color, or they toss down some graphic, or something like that, just to dress up the page, so to speak. Well, I think Rick nails it. Good design throughout the entire book is the idea we're communicating a theme. We're communicating an idea. We're communicating, here's what our school year felt like this year. You ever thought about that? When it comes to our designing, remember, we make books for a lifetime. We want to communicate what did school feel like this year. And of course, when you look back at our last couple of years, no matter where you've been and how crazy they've been, thankfully, at least at this point so far this year, seems to be a lot more so-called normal. But even with that, even during a so-called normal year, every year feels a little different. And as best we can with our designing, we want to incorporate that feeling into our book and Rick really has some great advice on how to do that. So again, stay tuned. That's coming up here in just a bit. But it's something to think about. When you, you know, wherever you are right now, however far along you are right now, how does your book feel? That's an interesting question, isn't it? I bet you never thought about that. Not just how does it look. How does it feel? That's communicating about this particular school year. That's just, just a fantastic thought from Rick. And toward the end there, he did mention something that I've been beating this drum for over 20 years. Yes, people read the yearbook. And believe me, I've had, oh, I've lost count of the discussions I've had, especially with students who say, oh, nobody wants to read that stuff. They just want to put pictures down on pages, you know, hopefully good ones. No real description, no writing, just kind of slap it all down. Oh, people are not going to read that stuff. Yes, they are. I am in 100% agreement with Rick. People read the yearbook, both when it first comes out, and of course then they want to read about themselves, read about their friends, 
read about whatever the things that they were involved with, right? Of course. And then, of course, the wild card that most students really don't give any thought to. What about 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30, 40 years from now, and so on, when you've forgotten most things about your school days? That's when reading the yearbook really becomes valuable. So as you're working on your book right now, keep all of that in mind. How does it feel? How does the book feel right now? And we got to put some information in here, the information that the pictures will never tell us. That means we want to make our yearbook a really good read. See what you can do with that as you and your group continue your work. Now, what about some great design thoughts and ideas? All right, here it comes as we go back with our friend Rick Brooks. All right, let's swing to page designing because we're going to talk about that at some point because, yeah, it's something I hit too frequently. Oh, we're not going to read. Yeah. Yes, you are. So let's let's start with some basics, all right? Again, we hopefully have some people listening here who they've started doing some stuff. Maybe they just use templates, you know, on you know whatever platform they're using, they just use templates. Maybe they actually are going to try to do their own gig. They're trying to do their own deal. So let's start with some, what are some tried and true basics, Rick, of good page design? One thing I tell well, stabs all the time, hold on. One thing I tell stabs all the time, guys, page design is never random, which I see too often. Just splat, just throw it on the page. And sometimes kids get it, sometimes they don't. But if they want to do their own thing, like I am determined, I'm going to do my own pages, what are some tried and true basics of good page designing? Well, first of all, it, it really has to reach back to the cover. I know we're, we're not actually talking about the cover right now, but we always are. The cover of the book is super, super important. And it really ought to be part of the thematic process. That That theme is not just a statement on the front of a book. That's not what it's about. It's about a feeling for the entire project. That's what a theme really is. So if it doesn't encompass your project, if it doesn't say what it shows, if it doesn't do that, it might be the wrong theme. Theme really doesn't even have to be a phrase. It has to be a feeling. A lot of colleges that I work with use a theme, but a lot of them don't. A lot of high schools will use a visual theme which can be very, very effective, where they don't actually say something on the book, but you see something on the book, and it feels like that process. I actually love to have a statement that's very, very associated with the design. I think that's important, and that has to somehow, that visual package has to kind of go inside the book. And if you do that, you've already made something very successful. If you can get your feeling, not necessarily the exact copy of what's there, but a part of it, if there's an ombre on the cover, if, if we actually use a, a blue to a, a green on the cover, a fade, a blend, if we do that, that ought to occur somewhere in the book. And that can happen. We can provide you the art from the cover to actually use as a background, whatever it is. There ought to be some transition from the front to the inside. Those are the most effective things. Now, trends inspire everything. And a lot of our pre-designed templates actually are kind of thematic. And I always like when someone takes one of those because they're really good basic design. They truly are, all of them. Um, when someone takes one of those and modifies it to make it their own, um, I think bringing that stuff into that template can make it very, very effective. You have to be careful because you have mixed design things and some things don't work. Floating circles really are not super effective design unless they're intentional. Stars not really effective design and if they're intentional we need to talk because they don't really fit photographs putting your head in a in a star is going to make a big point on the top of your head so that's a design piece that's out there that's very difficult to make work it's really got to be the theme and that's very difficult lots of little things like that affect design remember it's about communication that's the key you're communicating stuff. So without any copy or without any headline, it's really problematic because I see those things as photographs. Think of the, think of the darks text or text. Think of the lights like the grays and headlines. Think of the medium grays. So you have like this hierarchy of 
of tone when you see a spread. And it's kind of important to include that tone. That's great graphic design to intermingle different things so you look at certain things. The best designers really, really don't even know that they're including an entry point. They're including that automatically. They're including things like three-peat design where if there is a circular portion or there is a certain shape or whatever, there is a graphic element. It's really there in three different ways, three times. So they they kind of naturally do that. It's actually wonderful to see students do this all the time. It's like, this is great. You've actually been exposed to enough design in the world that you kind of automatically do it. It's a wonderful thing that happens. The worst thing you can do is look at last year's book and just redo it because you might as well not not redo it. You've just replaced something from last year. and You're just doing the same thing over and over again. Look at other people's stuff. Look at Pinterest. Look out there. Get inspired by different things. You can do wonderful stuff. But remember, when you get inspired, get inspired as a group. Because there's there's it's very difficult for 12 students to design pages and to make them fit together. You've kind of got to do it as a team. There's got to be like a design leader or whatever it is. All those spreads, remember, they're a package. All that stuff kind of has to fit together. And it's very awkward to go to page eight and nine or whatever, and it be one design and you turn this page and it's a complete different thing. Those kind of things are very difficult for readers to actually go through a book and, and see. Sometimes you just get annoyed and stop. Rick, I tell you, I would need a calculator to count up all the books I've encountered over 20 plus years that have a, probably a cool theme and a nice cover design looks really cool. You open up the book, it disappears. Right. And, and there's I, no reason. There's no reason that has to happen. I mean, you touched on that a few minutes ago, but I mean, very quickly, if somebody has, even if it's a, not a custom design, if it's a company design or something, right. what are some quick, easy, simple ideas that we can do something with that design or that theme on the inside of the book? Well, I, some of it's affected by trends. So if, if the trend right now, which it is, is larger headline styles, larger headline styles. And right now, I know this is shocking, but a lot of it's because of retro design stuff. It's serif fonts for headlines. That, that's what's in style right now. The more of the times families of fonts like Garamond and those type things. Using that on the cover and then using that on the inside is a link right away. But if you use that on the cover and you just decide to use some script on the inside that doesn't match at all, nothing fits together. It's, it's really easy to pull a few graphic elements. And if they're kind of overwhelming, tent them. There's nothing wrong with shaded graphic design. There's nothing wrong with, with say, geometrics, whatever it might be, whatever your thematic package is. There's nothing wrong with it being more subtle. It actually can be much more effective if it's more subtle. But bigger headlines right now um, for the entry point, and then really a variety of photos. For a while, graphic design in your book was about tiny, 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 tiny photos, millions of them. And not millions, dozens, sometimes hundreds on a, on a page. That's not really effective graphic design. Minimizing that to have one larger image, one focal point, and then a lot of smaller images is a much better route. The very best books in the country really do a good job at including lots of photos, but also including something larger or a cluster larger or a grouping larger that you can actually see. And those photos that you can see really need to be good photos. All right. Now, very quickly, for folks maybe that aren't familiar, Rick says tinting, that means lightening, like doing something with the brightness and the contrast, not necessarily like changing the color. You know, Rick, sometimes when I see that term tinting, that's what comes to mind. Oh, not blue. Let's make it green. Although I guess you could do that. Right. Maybe. Correct. Yeah. Correct. All right. You've mentioned headline a couple of times. A lot of times I'll see a book. Um, I go to the football spread because I like football. And the headline on the football spread is football. And then I which is the page, not a headline. I turn the page to volleyball, volleyball, which is Very, not a headline. Take, <laughs> take a moment, tell everybody that is not a headline. What should they do? They actually should, and that's where that's where copy comes into play. And I, 
like I said, I know you, I know a lot of people say you, you don't read, but you will and you do, but it ought to be a sentence style headline, something it ought to, it ought to say something about your design, about your spread. So it ought to say something about volleyball. It ought to say something about football. It can also be tagged with the word football up in the corner or wherever it might be. It can be tagged with it. But I, the funny part of all this, and it actually, most advisors totally get it. And every student that gets their book, when they look at it, they get it then. But putting the word football on a page that is filled with football photos is totally useless. That word football is clear in that spread of football photos. It's actually pretty funny. It's just because we're looking at last year's book. It's just the default. And a lot of times students will think, well, that's what it has to be because that's what we've always done. And the only reason we've always done it is because we keep looking at last year. That's the only reason we've always done it. There is no tradition that the headline has to be football. It ought to be a headline, a real one. Descriptive, witty, interesting. Correct. And then you you kind of, I think the, the term you, you sort of used is a, like a lead in, like that's the thing that grabs our attention. So we keep going. If you haven't read this book, this is Bobby Hawthorne's newest book. This book, it's very small. It's fantastic, but it tells you stuff like that. It describes stuff like that. This is one of my new favorites. We'll mention the book's called Copy That. It's a relatively new book. It is. Um, it's not expensive uh, for anybody listening. If you maybe haven't seen this before, you know, talk to your Jossens representative and say, what's that Copy That book? And they can get you some information or tell you where to find it and so on. And I have to say, Scott never asked me to promo that book. That's not what this was no, about. No, I just have it here. <laughs> I just have we've, it. We've had Bobby Hawthorne on this feature, and I'd love to get him back again. One yeah. of the best in the nation. He's amazing. Now, we're talking about writing, Rick. So the, the follow-up question here, and, and I'm sure some advisors have thought about this, how much writing? I swear, I've encountered students, they literally must be allergic to writing. When they write, they break out in hives. Uh, actually on a, I get that. on a good spread how much writing it's actually a lot less than you might think the trend right now is a minimal amount of writing that's very effective so it's edited very cleanly um only really a few paragraphs really minimal amounts of text because i get the fact that if it's too much text or if it's too small or if it's too difficult to read nobody's reading that. I won't even read that. But a, a few paragraphs of a good size font, no smaller than 10 point for body copy ever, ever. And that's the unfortunate part is sometimes because we're looking at a screen, we can see anything, any size when we're making the page. We, we can actually zoom in. We do. Not a good plan to have anything smaller than 10 point. 10-point is a good body copy size for pages. 12-point is a good body copy size for theme. But anything smaller than that for those, not so good. I mean, if you do a caption in 8-point bold or whatever, that's good. That's fine. But the body copy really ought to be minimal and readable. It's important. Rick, I could be wrong on this, but I don't think so. I think there are a lot of folks out there, the idea of using or at least starting with ready-made templates that are accessible on, you know, whatever platform you're using is just bad. They just, they just won't do it. Well, a lot of times it's because someone else did them and I get that. And someone else can do them, which is why starting with the template and modifying it is, is what you really always want to do. Um, I would, I personally, I would never just use the template as is, but there are parts of those templates that are fabulous. And I will tell you that the, the format and cluster of images that are, that are there is a good thing to learn because it's the variety of shape, the variety of size, the variety of direction, because photos are not always horizontal and they're not always vertical. They're a mix of that and they should be a mix of that. That's interesting for us to look at. And that's what keeps a reader involved in the publication, the variety. So boxes, not all the same size. Oh, the worst, the worst, unless, and I, I always have to have an unless, unless that's part of the thematic package. 
and that can happen. You might have a row across the entire bottom of a spread where they're all squares. That's okay, but that's got to be part of your concept. That's got to be part of that thing that started back on the cover. Or let's mention the portrait sections. We want everybody's headshot to be the same size. Correct? Yes. Everybody's equal. We don't want some big and then this this person's little weenie photo. No, that'll never fly. Don't ever do that. <laughs> and probably, I don't know if, I, I actually don't know whether the only thing you can see is me right now. I, I don't know that. But I see a picture of Scott Giese on the screen. I, that's actually what I see. And it is a portrait shot. And it is his head with a little space above it, some space to the right, some space to the left, and his shoulders. It is not just a cropped piece of head. And that's important too. The cropping of those images really has to be kind of what the professional photographer is going to take. And I've seen people zoom in and crop those things where it's just the face. And it is not a pretty thing when you have everybody's cut face and no one's really happy when they get their, their photos that way either. So think about the way the professionals actually crop their image for not just portraits, but for, for everything. Think about that when you're trying to make them fit. If a photographer took a photo that's beautiful and it's horizontal. Cropping that to a vertical can totally destroy the, the art. It can destroy the art of that photo. Actually, that's really great advice. I, I, I guess I never really thought of it that way, but that's really great advice. We'll get back to our final segment with our friend Rick Brooks, design genius for yearbook. Coming up in just a bit, we're going to talk about, yes, TikTok. And are students more visual today than they have been in the past? And lots of great ideas and advice for any yearbook advisor and staff. So stay tuned for that coming up in just a bit. Now, I'll tell you what, we're going to do a free plug alert here. We're going to do a free plug alert for something we talked about in that last segment. Uh, a relatively new book called Copy That. Copy That is especially and only really for yearbook staves, written by the amazing Bobby Hawthorne, who is a writing expert, one of the best in the country. You can't find anyone better, I don't think, than Bobby. His terrific book called The Radical Right, W-R-I-T-E, which is, I believe, through four printings now. It's been that good for that long. If you're really into journalism and teaching writing, The Radical Right is a book that you need to look up. But especially for your book, Bobby has a relatively new book. It's called Copy That. This is a book that every yearbook advisor should have. And then maybe get copies for your class, if you have a class. And you know follow the different lessons and things in there to really improve your yearbook writing. Copy That is not your normal book. First off, it's kind of square. It's kind of a squarish book. It's got a soft cover. It's only $16. We're not talking big money here. I would say, again, if you're a yearbook advisor, find $16, probably plus shipping, and find that book. It might be at bookstores. You can definitely go online and find it. For Justin's advisors, go to your Yearbook Avenue website, and on your homepage, go to Plan, and then go to Order Supplies. Look for the link there that says Education Materials. Click there. Scroll down just a little bit and you'll see Copy That. You can order it directly through your Yearbook Avenue website. And again, just invaluable information about why writing in the yearbook is important and how to do it well. Not just cute little one-liners and little short things, but how to do it really well. All the different writing facets that goes into a really good yearbook. I think it's a be like I said, best sixteen dollars you'll ever spend. You'll ever spend, really. It's that good. It's called "Copy That" by Bobby Hawthorne. You can find some outside source, uh, you know, online and so on to find it. Otherwise, again, Jostens Advisors, Yearbook Avenue. Go to Plan, Order Supplies, Education Materials. Get this book. It'll serve you now and for many years into the future. A really terrific read. Now, how about just a little bit more interesting design advice from our good friend Rick Brooks. All right, now, here's something. I read something recently in a survey of teams. Now, recently meaning October, all right? And it was um, 
you know, asking teens all kinds of questions. And the one claim in this survey is that right now, apparently, TikTok, everybody knows what that is by now, TikTok apparently is more popular than Google. Kids are going more to TikTok for various, I don't know, information and things than they are actually going to good old-fashioned Google. And the one line in this survey mentions something that it claimed students today are more visual thinking. Now, do you agree with that or not? What do you think about that? Actually, I, I don't know what survey this was, and it's it's okay. But Google and TikTok are not the same thing at all. So a comparison of those is not really a fair, accurate comparison. But that said, students are more visual right now. They're absolutely more visual. Photos are so very important. The problem with what TikTok has done to the yearbook in general, and not necessarily design outside of yearbook, is that many, many more photos in the book are people and their friends. Just close-ups of people standing there. Photos about nothing. And that's kind of what TikTok is. It's, I mean, TikTok is, it's actually focused on an individual, focused on a group of individuals. It's more people looking at the camera, people doing that. And that's a trend and I get it. I, I totally get it. But we don't want to see, in the future, we don't want to look back and see that everything artistic, everything that's really a great photo has been replaced by a posed shot. That would be a terrible shame for the the beauty and the art of publishing. That would be a shame. Sounds like you're not a TikTok fan. No, 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 no. I'm not, not at all. That's not true at all. I actually love some of that stuff, but it's what it is. And to make that fit every spread of a book gets rid of all those fabulous, because we have students that are, I mean, if you've looked at our lookbook and looked at the Jostens, Jostens does the lookbook and it's, we have a section in there on photography. And there are some of the most amazing images are taken by students in this country. It's amazing how many fabulous photographers there are. And it's a shame for those images not to show up in a book and be replaced by things that are just snapshots of someone in a hallway. I just don't want to see us lose the art. All right. This might be an interesting segue into my next question, uh, because TikTok has especially gotten hot over the last couple of years. And of course, we've had this nasty thing called COVID for coming up on three years now. Now, I know you, all right? I know you do a lot of traveling, right? Coast to coast, really. I know you base do a lot of stuff in the northeastern part of the country, but you really do go coast to coast. And you went coast to coast during the pandemic, I'm assuming, yes? You didn't just work from home, yes? Correct. Was that easy or hard? Well, it depends on when. Now, there were parts of the time that you weren't allowed to do that. And clearly, I didn't do it when you weren't allowed to do that. COVID had kind of many phases, many, many phases there. But when schools were open to actually do this again, there's there's some real magic that can happen, especially with conceptual design. There's some real magic that can happen when you're in person. I was just in New York yesterday, in New York City yesterday, with, with a school there, a big school there. And we had not been able to do that for three years. We, we have since pre-COVID, we had not been able to do it. And it was so wonderful to be together where you can actually see people's reaction, see people. We had a meeting. It was it was wonderful to, to actually do it in person like that. So there are really great things that come from doing this. Great thing that great things that can come from doing Zoom. Um, but the in-person conceptual meeting can be can be really inspiring. Yeah, it's interesting. I agree with you. Um, in my day job world, I did a number of in-person workshops in August, September, into October, where people came and smiles and happiness yeah. and sitting down with an artist and conversing face to face. It was, uh, it was enlightening. It was exciting which seems weird because we did that for years and years and years, Rick. And now that we didn't do it for a three-year period, it's amazing. We really need to be together. We're, we're talking on Zoom right now, which is great. And we'll, I'll keep using the tool you know, for a long time. But there is something about being in a room with somebody 
that makes a difference, isn't it? It's incredible. There is. There is. And you just used the right word. This is a tool. And I actually love this. I'm I'm not going to give up using this. I have I just bought a brand new visual camera, which is very cool. But I, I will continue to use this. This is wonderful for follow-up meetings. This is wonderful for times I can't actually be somewhere when I can't actually do it. This is a wonderful tool, but it's just another tool. It's kind of like the difference between a watercolor and Photoshop for a watercolor. They're just different tools. They still are the same thing in the end. It's still a piece of art. It's just done with a different tool. And that's kind of the same thing as the Zoom thing. It's just a different tool. But, okay, these last three years, your observation, have these last three years somehow changed the yearbook world in any way? Any observation? It could be yay, it could be nay. I guess I'm leaning more toward the nay. Well, some of it would be a shame, but it's impossible to say that that COVID did not affect us in any way. It absolutely did. It, it absolutely did. It actually changed individuals because of, of, of age. It actually changed the way people work together. COVID actually has a lot of negative after ripples. It, it really does. People got very used to not being somewhere. They got very used to being away from people. And for some students, they're back and they're happy and it's wonderful. But for other students, it's been very difficult. It's been very difficult to reacclimate into that group of friends. It's been very difficult for some people. And that's how COVID has affected yearbook. Um, it's affected the yearbook staff. I don't think it's affected the students that get the book as far as wanting to get a book. A lot of schools actually need more books now than they did before because people want that. They they want the book. They They actually really do want it again. And I love that. Yeah, that is an interesting twist, isn't it? Yes, it is. Hmm. All right. So let me move to a final question. And it's a bit of a segue again, maybe, because Rick, if I assume maybe we have some rookie yearbook advisors checking us out here today or younger advisors or advisors. And again, these last couple of years have been rough on a lot of teachers. They've been rough. And that's been in the news and the whole bit. Folks that are literally just sort of hanging on at this point. Talk about teachers, not students, teachers. All right. If you could give those folks some advice from your experience over doing this for three plus decades, either the newbie or the folks thinking, boy, I really want to give this up. What would you tell them? Don't give this up. No, <laughs> don't give this up. No, first of all, for any advisor that, that went through this entire thing, thank you so much for hanging on. You don't know how important it is to these students that you hung on through this. And for the new ones, it's really important to these students to have an advisor just not to do work, not to do the pages, not to do that stuff. But an advisor is what maintains the consistency. They can maintain the positive nature of a publication year after year after year. It's actually so important to have an advisor that is steps back, lets people do the right stuff but advises them not to do the wrong stuff. It's not okay to just include your friends in the book, but it can happen without the advisor saying, you, you can't just put you in there. This isn't Scott Giese's book. He's not on every page. And that can happen without an advisor that stands there. It's an important position. I've seen it. I mean, I've seen kids in the book 50 or 60 <clears throat> times, Yeah, as in 5-0 and 6-0. Like, oh my gosh, really? Meanwhile, all these other folks were in the book one time. Right. What's a quick, all right, wrap up. What's a quick, easy way to get kids in the book more times? Actually, those, I mentioned that that photo strip that runs across the bottom, that's a great thing. Think about other locations. If you do an index to your book, which I wish everyone did, if you do an index to your book, because it's quick for you to realize that 56 photo thing happens when you do an index in your book. It's like, oh, Julie's in the book 56 times. Let's not, let's not do that. Um, a lot of times in like an index on the right-hand side, maybe this whole page will be smaller images, that kind of stuff. Including those smaller images is totally cool and totally okay. And I actually like it when we tag photos. I think 
tagging photos is really important, not just so you understand that people are there, but so you can index those. I, I, I see people do it all the time when you when they do an index in their book. They go there and they look <laughs> and see their photos. They see that they're there. And that's a wonderful thing. For any Jostens advisors listening, if you've never done an index in your book, our indexing tools are simple so to easy. use. So easy. Have a word with your Jostens representative and, and signify, I don't know, three, four, five pages, whatever at the end yeah. of the book. And it does add a lot. It really does. Rick, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. And when we run into each other at conferences and all that sort of stuff, you're one of the most creative guys I've ever met. I can't even draw a stick man. All right. <laughs> this guy is really, I mean, off the charts good. And really great advice, Rick. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, everybody. A big thank you again to our friend Rick Brooks from Jostens. He is incredible. He is nationally known, nationally recognized as being a true expert on yearbook design. Yes, for some reason the 70s are hot right now. Maybe the 90s. At some point we'll get around to the 80s. I wonder when we'll do the 2000s. That'll be kind of interesting. But retro, hey, I've had a lot of schools. Oh, retro cover. Okay, let's see what we can do. But then the key, of course, as Rick mentioned, what are you doing on the inside of the book to go along with that great cover design and theme that you put together? How does your book feel right now? That's worthy of a group discussion. And maybe go back and say, you know what, maybe we need to do some adjusting before we start turning in pages and stuff, all right? Good, good stuff. Let's see what you can do with your yearbook designing this year. And as always, we thank you for listening to the Yearbooking Report podcast. <laughs>